The Fred Minnick Show is brought to you by the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. Visit sfspiritscomp.com for more information on our double gold and best in show winners. That's sfspiritscomp.com. Hey, welcome back to The Fred Minnick Show. I'm your host, Fred, and boy, we got a fun show coming up for you. Claire Dunn's joining us. Let me tell you something. Claire is one of these musicians that really should be on everybody's radar for for reasons because of her talent but also man she's open for a lot of people i mean basically if there's a country music singer out there who's worth the salt she's open for him and she's done work with luke bryan and did vocals for a lot of a lot of big names in the business so claire is awesome also we kind of um we kind of go back in time when we were were kids a little bit and chat about that before we go down that road, though, it's important that you know that this podcast is brought to you by The Beeline, a Northern Kentucky bourbon experience, a mashup of five Kentucky bourbon trail craft distilleries, six unique bourbon bars, and five bourbon-focused restaurants across from Cincinnati and the edge of bourbon country. Learn more at findyoursippingpoint.com. That's findyoursippingpoint.com. And believe me, you do want to go to that website because there's going to be a few surprises from me uh, out and about in that particular area. And I've got a lot of friends out in Cincinnati, and that's always a good time to spend some time out there on the Beeline. So make sure you're checking that out on findyoursippingpoint.com. Now, before I get into the trivia, something happened uh, these past couple of weeks that kind of kind of hit me pretty hard. And a longtime follower wrote me and said that he is unfollowed me that he's unfollowed me he no longer subscribes to my newsletter and he doesn't listen to this podcast anymore um because he's he's become sober and i am so glad to hear that he's sober now i'm glad to hear that he has taken the steps to to take care of his life and his family guys that's that's really really important but it hit me because it got me to thinking i've been doing this for almost 15 years now 15 years I've had the opportunity to write about wine and spirits and talk about it in a way that I never even thought possible. I mean, for God's sake, they don't teach you this at school. It's, it's, I'm truly living the dream. But at the same time, I know how to respect a spirit. And sometimes things can get out of hand for some people and lives get out of control. And so if you find yourself in that position, you got to know that Drinking responsibly is the way to go. Moderation is key for for this business. That's how I've been able to do this for so long. I'm not drinking every night. I'm not falling over and bumping my head on trash cans and what have you. I mean, these are this is this is real stuff. It's a controlled it's a controlled substance. I mean, alcohol is truly a controlled substance, and it's meant to be enjoyed responsibly. And I understand that it's genetic, and some people should not be drinking. And we have to think about that. We have to think about that. Take care of yourself. Please drink responsibly. And if I am any way, shape, or form a trigger for you, please don't feel obligated to listen to this podcast or follow me at all. I want you to take care of yourself. You can go to moderation.org to find out what drinking and moderation really means. Now, this week is going to be interesting for me because I'm traveling to Nashville and I'm going to be interviewing a whole slew of new artists to, to have on this podcast. 
And so I'm going to be driving uh, across state lines with a whole bunch of uh, whole bunch of booze in my <laughs> in my trunk. I I know it's perfectly legal, but I still get very nervous when I drive with large amounts of booze. Uh, maybe it's because you know I don't drive with cheap stuff, and you never know if someone's gonna be like, "Oh, you got a little Michter's twenty back there, huh?" Well, <laughs> it's now in my car, but uh, let let's let's hope that doesn't happen. Hey, for this week's trivia, since Claire Dunn is from Colorado, I have an interesting trivia question for you and here goes what colorado distiller is a 9-11 survivor and a former fashion photographer that's going to come up after the interview but first a word from our sponsors 291 colorado whiskey aims to create a -a one-of-a-kind bold and beautiful colorado whiskey rugged refined rebellious. Distillery 291 is an award-winning small-batch whiskey distillery located in Colorado Springs, Colorado, nestled in the shadow of Pikes Peak. Owner and founding distiller Michael Myers grew up on family farms in Georgia and Tennessee, across a countryside defined by rolling hills, horses, and whiskey. He set out to create a flagship whiskey that evoked the Wild West. A cowboy walking into a bar saying, give me a whiskey. And the bartender slamming down a bottle, a bottle of 291 Colorado Whiskey. Find a bottle near you at 291coloradowhiskey.com. Ride it like you stole it. Drink it like you own it. Live fast. Drink responsibly. Imagine this, an experience centered around five Kentucky Bourbon Trail craft tour distilleries in northern Kentucky, the gateway to Kentucky bourbon. Add five amazing bourbon-centric bars and five delicious bourbon-focused restaurants, cultivating the freshest takes and culinary delights, and you are on the beeline. Start your trip today at findyoursippingpoint.com. Michter's Distillery, our passion is making the finest bourbon, rye, and American whiskey possible. When you only produce very small batch and single barrel whiskey as we do, each and every barrel has to be perfect. No detail is too small for our production team. From careful attention to the 18-month or more air-dried wood used in the construction of our barrels, to entering our distillate into the barrel at the costlier or lower barrel entry proof of 103 so that it's smoother, to heat cycling our barrel houses, to our signature filtration protocol, we spare no expense in pursuing our goal of making the greatest American whiskey. And no Michter's gets bottled until our master distiller Dan McKee and our master of maturation Andrea Wilson say it's just right. Michter's Fort Nelson Distillery in downtown Louisville, Kentucky is open for tours and tastings. Book your visit on our website and stop by the bar at Fort Nelson for a world-class cocktail. For more information, follow us on social media at Michter's Whiskey, go to michters.com, or visit your favorite bartender. Michter's Distillery. It's all about the whiskey. Welcome back, and thanks again to the sponsors. So I interviewed Claire Dunn at uh, Hometown Rising Festival last year, which was our which was our first year. It's the uh, first leg of the Trifesta, where we kick off basically country music, soft rock, and, and hard rock uh, in Louder Than Life, and then Bourbon and Beyond, of course, the soft rock, bluesy, you know, festival. Uh, Hometown Rising is the country music and bourbon festival, 
and we just announced the 2020 lineup. Now get this, this is a solid, solid lineup. Carrie Underwood, Blake Shelton, Old Dominion, Dirk Bentley, John Party, Chris Jansen, Billy Ray Cyrus, and one person I can't wait to see. I mean, this whole lineup's fantastic, but Clint Black. And coming up on a podcast in the future, Alex Hall and Tyler Booth. So a lot of great, great talent coming September 12th and 13th in Louisville. Make sure you're checking that out. Go to hometownrising.com. There's a good chance you'll be able to drink a little whiskey with me when you come. And now enjoy the interview with my friend Claire Dunn. songwriter um, a musician and she produces her produces your own produce yes. your own stuff you're talented as shit man oh <laughs> thank you, you know, i appreciate I mean, it in all seriousness like and you you uh you you're like from uh like the colorado area oklahoma and we're like kind of feel like we're neighbors yes. in some ways oh definitely if you border my state in any way shape or form even if you're one state over i consider you a neighbor and the thing about Colorado too is everyone always thinks it's all mountainy and everything, uh-uh. and, and it's not. You know, you know that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you and I mean, you got to be tough to grow up in Colorado. <laughs> well, in my part of the state, we're definitely very rural. Uh, we were we're kind of the, one of the Dust Bowl epicenters. You know, it was definitely hard hit in our area back way back when. Um, so yeah, it's it's a very rural, very ag. You know, and that's what we did. We farmed and ranched and. You know that's super easy no so <laughs> we also have another thing i was really big in ffa yes me too i know well it, i wasn't really big but you were you were involved in it you yes you, you did uh you participated throughout high school and everything yeah and- i did uh, i was on the parley pro team and i was awful sorry and uh but i love to do public speaking that was the thing i love to do most in ffa because like I got FFA every day when I went home, and I was like, really? I don't need to hear about, you know, heifer weights and steer weights and <laughs> judging anymore. Like, give me something else. So FFA played a real big part of my life, and when I saw that you were in that, I, I got my uh, I got my jacket out of, like, the basement, and, yes. I, and I was going to bring it on the set. Really? And then I smelled the jacket. <laughs> uh-huh. Things happen to a jacket when it's in your basement for, like, 15 years it's okay there was some stink going on that thing (laughs) worse than the cattle barns from back in the day (laughs) dry cleaners are really good these days you know i I don't think they could even get this stink out i don't know what i'm gonna do with it i mean here's here's this piece of really important history of my life what did you do i just threw it back in the basement but i mean what'd you do in ffa so um i showed pigs and i did public speaking yep but the one thing that really FFA did for me was that was where I learned how to write. And, I'm, and I've now written seven books. Yes. But it was in FFA. We were winning all these pig shows. And my ag teacher said, hey, why don't you start writing articles about this? Wow. And so I wrote about uh, a pig show that we just won. And it was in the paper that Thursday. I saw my name in the paper. I was like, that's what I want to do for the rest wow. of my life. Wow. Isn't that, that amazing? Yeah. And so that's why, like, anytime I see someone who has a connection to FFA, yeah. it, uh, you know, I like to talk about that because it's yeah. so important to me. Oh, I totally agree. Well, and just, just to see the things that you can jump to from FFA, like, it really is a worldwide universal organization. Like, you just never know what it's going to teach you or what direction it's going to point you in. 
And although they could never, ever, like, teach a class on bourbon. <laughs> Farmers. <laughs> bourbon is essentially distilled corn. Yes. And uh, I, and my degree is in agricultural communication, so I learned all through the sciences and everything at Oklahoma State. And, and so, that you know, that's why, you know, I think I gravitate toward it. But, you know, there wow. was not a, there's not a career counselor that said, hey, here's how you become a bourbon writer or a bourbon thing, you know. <laughs> but when you came in. You, uh, you you had a little glass of something. Yes. And Whatever I, they gave us in our dressing rooms. I, I can't even remember the name of it. Well, you know, a lot of people like to give you all things in your dressing room, so it could have been many things. Yeah. Um, so what I was thinking was that I would actually pair to your taste profile. So, Claire, what I'm going to do now okay. is I'm going to ask you a series of questions. Okay. And how you answer this will dictate what I suggest to you from my bar up there. And you can take a look. I know people can't see this as they're listening, but you can see we've got 15, 20, yes. even, and even more in the back of, of, of bourbon here. So we're going to we're going to start right now. Wow, okay. Do you like caramel or cinnamon more? Hmm, probably on a whole cinnamon. Oh, my. Mm-hmm, is that wrong? Cinnamon, no. Well, I grew up chewing like packs and packs of big red when I was little, much to my dentist's chagrin. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have admitted that. Sorry, Mom. That's why the dentist bill was high on this child. Well, you know, yeah. Big Red is actually that it's a it's a very particular cinnamon. <laughs> it's a very terrible cinnamon. No, so so normally when I'm pairing uh, for someone on a cinnamon, I'm thinking of like uh, like the cinnamon that you would put like on a, uh, mm -hmm. on a cake or something. Yes. Well, when you say Big Red cinnamon, well, is that the flavor that you still no, like? No, no, no. no. Okay. I I love natural cinnamon too. Okay. Mm -hmm. Probably not gonna eat it by the spoonfuls. But I love cinnamon. Actually, they did that. There's like a cinnamon challenge. No, I like, saw that. People were like dying and shit. It was awful. Terrible. So, all right. So the the cinnamon, like, how, do you do you put it on your lattes? Like, how do you normally? Um, I uh, like it in baked goods. You know, cinnamon rolls. Um, I think I gravitate to things that are a little bit more earthy. To me, cinnamon is a little bit more the real cinnamon. It's a little bit more earthy flavor than caramel. Caramel is like super sweet to me. Mm. Um, so I put it in like oatmeal, uh, you know, any type of baking, um, coffee sometimes, like in the fall, um, those sorts of things. Okay. Now, do you like nutmeg? Yep. Do you like vanilla? Love vanilla. If you had a choice. Natural vanilla, yeah. Okay, natural vanilla. Mm -hmm. If you had a choice between cornbread and fried pie crust, which would you choose? Mmm, boy, that's tough. Uh, I would probably choose cornbread. Okay, Am I should I have a, there's a bottle of Booker's right there in the back. The black, the black label. <laughs> All the way back corner, back right, that's this is it. so amazing. Oh, see, this is what I've been needing in my life because I don't know. I'm so lost when it comes to bread. So, this is uh, first of all, I'm glad to hear that say you've been needing me in your life. I have. <laughs> yes. I, I I just I, I I live constantly thinking that nobody loves me. <laughs> so my wife will actually tell you that. You know, it's my my whole little thing. I'm like, mm. <laughs> it never works, by the way. Uh, but I like so your wife already. Oh, she's awesome. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, she kicks ass. So this is uh, Booker's. This is their their latest batch. Now this is this is wow. one that has like it has notes of cinnamon. Okay. Um, it's it it skews toward uh, nutmeg after that, Ooh. and then there's a big mouthful of 
of um, kind of cornbread. Oh. But here's the thing. Now, I got to tell you this. Okay. This is 124 proof. So it's packing some heat. But <laughs> don't let proof fool you as, okay. as, being, as being like uh, hot. Sometimes... It, you know, the funny thing is, proof is not an indication of smoothness. People always think that it's 80 proof, and so it's going to be nice and smooth. Oh. But sometimes an 80 proof whiskey, it can taste like you're uh, licking the strippings off of uh, off of the drywall panels with with rubbing alcohol. <laughs> you know? I mean, I love so. Your descriptions. It, it is. It, it, it can be really nasty, those yeah. 80 proof whiskeys. So the proof, what that does is it actually it's closer to what's in the barrel. And sometimes those barrels are we call them honey barrels they're just like loaded with flavor and just okay. and you you can't taste the proof so what let me let me go ahead and pour you a little okay. bit here all right i'm gonna do the get it by the microphone so we can hear it all right there Ooh. you go all right now the correct way to drink bourbon i don't i feel like i need to know this too is there a correct wrong right well for the purposes of this show uh <laughs> we well, is it a I'll, pinky up situation? I'll, tr I'll try to do like a. I'll try to do like a little tutorial. Okay. But first thing you should know is yeah. like, you drink it however you want. Okay. Yeah. You know, that that's the proper answer on okay. that. Okay. I like. But I do like teaching people how to like taste, kind of like a critic would, like I do, oh. like we do at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition, and you know, it's not like a fraternity party. You know, it's not like we're back in you know college. Thank you God. Kicking back. The whole point of bourbon is to enjoy it, to respect yeah. it, to love it, you know? So the first thing that I like to do is I like to look at the color. Okay. When it goes into the barrel, it's as clear as the water from your tap. So it's interacting with that barrel every single day of its life. Okay. And that whiskey takes on, extracts the color, and also extracting the wood sugar from the barrel. And so after that, I like to swirl it around. Okay. And I like to look at the legs. You like you like legs? Uh huh. I do. So yep, I like my two pair. I so leg. So them. like in like wine, wine they have wine legs. Yeah. Uh huh. Bourbon also has legs, uh -huh. and I like looking at them. I like just kind of like assessing. But it's a little bit like artistic, an artistic uh, feel for me. And it's also a way that I can track what where this distillery. Uh, the, the, every distiller has its own kind of like footprint of legs. Wow. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Do they like travel down the glass a certain way? They do. So you notice like this is very common with bookers. They're tight little beads, uh -huh. and then they'll then they'll glob out. Oh. Uh, other ones will be like kind of spread out and be straight down. Uh huh. And that's usually an indication of like the oils that survive distillation oh. and and their time in the barrel. Wow. So it's just a little trick that I have. It's not really anything special. Just. Well, looking, I think it's pretty special. Looking at the whiskey. Pretty awesome. So now what we do. Okay. So we smell it. Okay. When you smell Ooh. bourbon, you, mm -hmm. you do it with your mouth open. Oh. By smelling it with your mouth open. Do you get a little in your mouth? Yeah. You'll What you'll do is you'll, you'll, you may taste a little bit of the flavor, but the big thing is, is that your nose is not taking a pounding from the alcohol. Oh. So you're picking up, you're picking up the, the smell, uh, but not just the alcohol. Sweet. And so the whole point here is so like let's take a look at what you're smelling on this Booker's. I would love to know what what notes are you getting? Oh my god, I'm gonna sound so. No, it's okay. I do. Well, I smell the nutmeg 
first off would be my first thing. It's like, because nutmeg to me is a mixture between cinnamon and vanilla, and I don't mm -hmm. know if I'm right, but. No, you're dead on. That, that nutmeg right? is prominent there. Is yep. it? Yeah. Okay. That would be my first thing I smell. And then I smell, I don't know, then it's a, a next guess between just a cinnamon roll or nice you know distilled vanilla she's got skills oh god she's got skills i'm taking a big guess now i want to take you into like your your mama's kitchen yeah she's got the cast iron skillet there mm. it's in the oven mm -hmm. it's about to be she opens the oven turns oh, the oven off she pulls it out that smell of that cornbread oh. coming out of the oven in the mm. cast iron skillet mm -hmm. that's what i'm getting in here with those you uh, get the cornbread I, Get a lot of the cornbread. I get the nutmeg. The vanilla's there, uh, but uh, not as much on the cinnamon. But you, I, but now when you mention it, I don't know. It's there. So you're playing my game on up <laughs> on me. So <laughs> well, I don't know. So now let's taste. Okay. Oh wow, that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. It. This is. This was selected specifically for your palate. I really love that. So this is what I just need to get out from now on. Booker's is, I think Booker's would be your jam. Well, I feel like I definitely get that sweetness mm -hmm. in the front part, whatever you call that. And then, but it's not overpowering. And I don't like overpowering sweet things. So I don't know, whatever it is, I love it. <laughs> and, and I love that you said it that way, because again, remember we said it's 124 proof. You don't feel that, do you? Doesn't feel like uh, no, but I'll probably feel it when I'm done with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Sure don't on the front end. <laughs> Two different stories though. Okay. Uh so for so now let's let's start talking about like the similarities between art of making music mm -hmm. and the art of making bourbon. Mm. I feel like I feel like you are really you're a true, complete, thorough artist. I mean you do oh. it everything thanks well, i like to be a part of everything i think it's uh well you know obviously i'm not a bourbon uh maker expert or anything like you are but i imagine that you know <clears throat> whoever's making this bourbon or at least whoever's the chief of it knows chief everything. bourbon guy yeah yeah whatever that dude yep. is or woman there are there are uh, a master. lot of uh master distiller women now i wrote a book called whiskey women that uh, basically chronicles a lot of women in uh, in the history of distilling whiskey. Heck yes. So I love that. Well, hell yes. I, you said, yeah, I, apparently I can say hell yes. Oh, you can say hell motherfucking yes if you want. <laughs> Good. Wait, but, can we say that? <laughs> we can say we that. We got the nod. Yeah. I just think that the parallels would be, um, you know, from what little I know of bourbon making, it's a very... Um, traditioned process probably but more so than that it's it you know i gather that it's a very finite process and whoever's in charge of it has to know everything that's going on in it maybe they don't have a specific role in every single part of it but they know what's going on at, at any moment and i just feel like for me as an artist it's important to be involved in all the different aspects of my music whether it's writing recording producing playing because I feel like that's a that's I'm putting a picture of myself out there I'm putting a sample I'm putting a you know if this were my song you know mm -hmm. this whole bottle is something that I had complete um I was a part of completely from the top to bottom you know start to finish and 
I think it's important for my fans and just the integrity of giving them something that isn't what somebody else thought or what a producer was trying to stamp on to me what their sound was mm. this is my sound and these are my stories you know you know it's fascinating because when I think of music and the business of music I typically think of people getting screwed <laughs> You know, like... Uh, that never happens. <laughs> like managers taking everyone's money. Oh, God. You know, yeah. I mean, it, it's just like there's so many stories like that. Mm-hmm. And, and so what you've done is you've protected yourself in a lot mm. of ways. Thanks. Do you do you look at the music business as, you know, still like being predatorial at, some, at, at points? I think there's definitely a lot of BS that goes on that needs to cut it out. Um, I think there's a lot of, um, I think there's a, in some circles, I've been lucky that I do have a wonderful team around me, but I think there are circles where the industry folks look at um, artists almost the way like like a, a commodity, like corn in the market, just send the bushel through. And if that field doesn't work, we got another one coming right behind it. Yeah. And I've seen that kind of turnover happen. I've seen, you know, girls that had all the right deals, had all the right managers, didn't work, next one, down the line. Now they're in California trying to figure out what to do with their life. And the same group, same bunch, has another girl coming right up behind them. You know, so I think that kind of stuff needs to come to a stop. And I think that the way you do that is to educate yourself, you know, I can't say it's totally on the industry's fault, too, because we as artists, if we believe in our art, if we believe in what we're doing, you know, uh, we've got to educate ourselves and look, know and believe in ourselves enough to say, you know what, that looks like a great deal on the front end, but um, I just don't have a good feeling about it, and I'm just going to bet on myself for a second and take a deep breath and maybe not sign that deal and just know that this is the long game. This is the long term. And I'm not going to be afraid, you know, if it takes a, a minute longer. Wow. Yeah. That's actually pretty. <laughs> Sorry. That, that's pretty awesome that you, you mentioned that as because like I spend a lot of time trying to coach writers mm. those same things. Wow. I, I walked away. I walked away from a deal from a very large, uh, mm. you know, magazine uh, publisher that would wanted to own my rights to my writing and i said fuck you yeah and and writers give away their stuff all the time and Mm -hmm. people people in the artistic community they they have a they can get a sense of desperation yes i mean how does how do we get how do we educate the young artists today that they don't have to be desperate i think the number one way to do it in my opinion is you open their mind that their opinion is just as valid as some big-time producer's opinion, some big-time record label's opinion. When you're the young kid coming to town, you have a lot more weight than what anyone wants to give you credit for. You have a vision. You have a dream. You have a sound. And a lot of people are going to downplay what you do. But what I've learned is that really secretly everyone's like, oh, did you hear what so-and-so did? Like if you have artist A comes to town artist A is like man I love so and so and I want to sound like this and I think this is cool you know industry person might tell you oh no artist A you don't know what you're talking about but come with me and I'll show you all this and meanwhile they run around back to like their big friend that they might know and be like yo 
Artist B, do you hear what little artist A is doing? You should do, because you're big and established and we're best friends, you should do what little artist A is doing. I don't know if that any of that made sense, but I think that there's power in opinion. Mm -hmm. Music is music. You know, in some similarities, it's similar to bourbon. It's it's what you like. It's what you want. You know, obviously there's higher amazing levels to all this than music, but Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of bullshit in bourbon. (laughs) No, you don't say. A lot of marketing in bourbon. (laughs) Yeah. There's no bullshit in music. No, none. (laughs) No, not one iota. Yeah. What what was your first drink? Oh, ever? Yeah. Like the first time I ever had alcohol? Yeah. Oh man, don't kill me. Okay. And don't think I'm super trash. All right, um, go on. I, I want to know what this is I now. Had, um, I forget what you call it, but it was just vodka and orange juice. Ah, uh, screwdriver. Yeah. Yeah. That one. Also known as the devil. <laughs> v- vodka is. So I have this thing where I hate vodka. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Yeah. Said no, that's okay. Thing. No, it's okay. I, mean, I don't want, I want honesty here. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want you to lie. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you drink when you're on the road? Do you, do you drink before you go on stage? I do. Um, I usually, like, this stuff is usually way later for me because girl ain't that cool yet. But, um, (laughs) I'll have, like, a, you know, sometimes, like, a glass of wine before I go on. Okay. Just to, like, you know, or a beer sometimes if that's hanging around. But, uh, usually, like, a glass of wine and then just kind of get the nerves quelled down and then go rock and roll. So, So the music industry, it it does have a, a history of, um substance abuse Mm, mm -hmm. you know we've seen a lot of great artists like pass away from overusing Mm -hmm. do you feel like that's gotten better in the last decade or so (laughs) no with bro country no (laughs) not at all i don't i mean i don't think there's any lack of um you know i i to me you know it's all when we're talking in terms of like overdoing something you can overdo beer just as much as you can overdo anything and um, I don't know. I think that people are getting a handle on it, but there's still a lot of, from what I see, a lot of partying going on, you know, yeah. backstage. And I mean, I've seen guys like can't hardly talk, you know, like pass. I'm just like, how are you even upright right now? You know, eyes glazed over that whole thing. And I'm just like, oh my God, you know, kind of thing. You know, and this, and this genre too mm-hmm. also has a very deep spiritual connection to Christianity. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that um, has fascinated me about about country music is that a, a lot of people will, um, you know, find you know find their religious beliefs and then just completely, you know, ignore like any kind of like public um, acknowledgement acknowledgement mm-hmm. of alcohol. And then yet you you see them like that. And it just kind of it just sometimes it feels a little hypocritical. Yeah. I've seen that a little bit, you know. Um, I'm definitely a person of faith, and I have a, a spiritual relationship with, you know, my Lord. But I, you know, Jesus drank wine, and I ain't worried about it. Hey, all, he made so wine, I, you know. He did. He and, did. And I've often asked the question: Could Jesus turn water into bourbon? I imagine so. And I can imagine him doing it to listen to one of your songs. My, Thank you. My love. Oh, yeah. yes. It burns like a bourbon. Yeah. I had one guy completely, I loved him, Precious, uh, but he completely misquoted that. And I was like, nope, it's burn like a bourbon. I don't even remember what he thought it was, but I appreciate you getting that right. Well, that was going to be, so um, when when I first learned that I got you to, to come on the show, 
I was going to spend the first part of it. It's like, listen, bourbon doesn't burn. And then I realized. Oh, sorry. Then I realized. Oh, wait. Yeah. A lot it's of a it. good. A lot of it's shit. And some there's well, there are shit bourbons that do burn. Yeah. You know, to me, it's that good kind of like it doesn't burn. But the same way love. It's not a it's it's a good kind of thing. You know, it's a good um, spice. Here's the here's the cool thing is that not a lot of musicians use bourbon. Yeah. In their in their lyrics. Yeah. Most people use whiskey. I know. And so not a whiskey fan. So uh, I've 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 wondered like is bourbon just a hard word phonetically to say in lyrics, and you pulled it off. I don't know. Well, thanks. I appreciate yeah. it. I mean, <clears throat> I know technically. Well, right. Is bourbon and whiskey similar? I don't even know. But well, whiskey, I like this stuff whiskey, better. whiskey is a bourbon. Uh, <laughs> you know, people typically think of Scotch as, as whiskey or Tennessee whiskey, but oh, okay. but that could be a whole other, other show. And well, this stuff we, is all good with me. And we just got the <laughs> knock. I think one of us has to get on stage here okay. in a second. So, all right. uh, thank you so much. Thank you for, for, for having me. me. Oh my Claire, gosh, Claire Dunn. Uh, just I love your work. You're so talented. Likewise. And now we, uh, I think we got a few more bourbons to drink, you know, later I'm on. I'm all about it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having Thanks me. Thanks for coming on the Fred Minnick Show. It's brought to you by the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. Ooh, one more toast. Cheers. Yeah, that was a great interview with Claire. I really enjoyed my time with her. And you didn't see it on the, you can't see it obviously on the podcast for your, if you're um, listening to this in your car or wherever, but she had these big tall boots that went up to her knees and I'm a, I'm a fashion guy and I thought these were the cool, some of the coolest boots I'd ever seen. So if you get a chance, go to my YouTube to see that, that video uh, of that interview back and forth, because we actually had some, um, it was a fun interaction, but she had some cool boots on. Now, the answer to the trivia, what Colorado distiller is a 9-11 survivor and a former fashion photographer? That answer is 291 Distilleries Michael Myers. Now, that's not Michael Myers to be confused with the, the Hall- Halloween killer, but Michael Myers was this incredible fashion photographer. He's, gotten, he's got photos of Angelina Jolie, Sam Elliott. In fact, we featured a, a spread of his, or actually six photos of his, in my magazine, Bourbon Plus magazine. And he just one of the such a talented, talented photographer. And after 9/11, he gets this uh, he gets this itch to become a distiller, and he starts uh, going down that rabbit hole. And now he's one of the most award-winning uh, small distilleries in the country. So you got to go check him out at 291. He's a really, really, really cool dude. Now, I don't know who next week's guest is Guest is going to be. I've got a lot of them that I've already interviewed. I can tell you coming up down the pipe, we've got Talking Heads' David Byrne. And I, I'm not quite sure when I want to drop that one. But I think um, I think next week is either going to be you know, someone like uh, Dylan Carmichael, this rising star in country music. Uh, or maybe someone like the Sick Puppies, who we all, who has one of these songs that we're we all know. But all of them include whiskey. All of them include good times. So make sure you're hitting subscribe on this podcast. However you listen to your podcast, and while you're at it, go ahead and give us a give us a rating while you're at it. 
And make sure you're following me on all the the YouTubes, the Twitters, the Instagrams, the Facebooks. Just search for my name, Fred Minnick, and that's M-I-N-N-I-C-K. But that'll do it for this week, and I'll see you later. You've been listening to The Fred Minnick Show, brought to you by the San Francisco World Spirits Competition at sfspirits.com, by Michter's American Whiskies, by Beeline, visit findyoursippingpoint.com, and by 291 Colorado Whiskey. For more information about this podcast, spirits, and more, go to fredminnick.com. Yeah, yeah.